Alright gentlemen, I see we are all back in one piece. There's so much to cover today, there's so much to talk about. Welcome Ender, welcome Vuyo, welcome Hugh, welcome Jade. Um, I'm not going to waste any time, gents. Uh, Ender, I'm going to start off with you. I mean, they just mentioned the the Irish squad. Um, are you happy with the announcement? Uh, Johnny Sexton is going to lead the men uh, into this 2023 Rugby World Cup. Unfortunately, Healy can't make it. Uh, he copped an injury against Samoa. I mean, any views from uh, the Irish uh, World Cup squad announcement? Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, look, to be honest, it's very as expected. Uh, no real surprises, I don't think. Obviously, the biggest talking point is Healy, as you mentioned. I think it's going to be five to ten weeks. Ooh. So he is a really big loss. Um, I think I believe he's either 34 or 35 now, but he's still an excellent scrummager and he's good in the loose. So I think, yeah, he's, he can't really underestimate how much of a loss he is. Yeah. Now, Lachman, who's going to replace him, um, who has replaced him really, isn't a bad player at all. But, you know, he's only won two of his last three caps in the last two weeks. Um, but he did impress. Like, I know he did tour uh, New Zealand with Ireland um, last year. So he is, you know, he is a good player and he, he was involved in Munster um, when they won the URC last season. Um, but, but I don't think he's a match for, for like, a straight-for-straight straight, uh, replacement for Healy. So definitely a big loss. Um, who else missed out? Like, Stockdale missed out. Um, I don't know if that's a, a major talking point, I suppose, because mm. uh, he's been out injured for quite a while. Um, Earls is in, uh, despite picking up an eagle before the game yesterday, um, which I think is probably the right call because he can cover the wing and he can also cover 13 as well. Uh, other probably major players missed out would be Kieran Frawley, um, Brenda Gass from a comic perspective, Jeremy Barron and Tom Stewart. But really, like I don't think... Like looking at that squad, I, like you, like you, if you, even if you go online, now, you'll see very few. Like the the only real talking point is Healy. Yeah. yeah. Um. So for me, it, it's as expected. Um. It's a very good squad, but I am now worried about the front row. <laughs> um. But yeah, overall, overall, quite happy, but no real surprises. Uh, Hugh, from your side, have you seen the squad yet? Yeah, I've seen the squad. Um, I agree with Andrew. I don't think there's really much um surprise or, or much talking point. I think. Okay, with the we'll, we'll worry about the front row, but I think with the rest of the you know from lock back to number eight, I think there's you know a good, every player there could easily be a starter. I think there's not much drop off in quality. I think it's, it reminds me a little bit of the Springboks in terms of the even quality across the squad is yeah it's quite admirable really. Hundred percent, hundred percent, gentlemen. We had lots of news, obviously, this past weekend. I mean, Elton Yanchis, Reese Webb uh, could potentially be banned, um, obviously, over banned substances. We've got, I mean, George Mawala's tip tackle. I mean, the ban is uh, still going to miss out five games. So he also tried to appeal, but obviously his appeal was rejected. And on Friday, I think the big one was the Springboks versus uh, the All Blacks. So I'm gonna come. I'm gonna bring Vuyo and Jade into this one. Vuyo, last week you said Sia Colisi had played enough rugby, and obviously Jacques Ninaba had other thoughts. And Sia basically started against the All Blacks. I think he played about what for 45, 50 minutes or so, and obviously he looks in tip-top condition at this point in time. What are your thoughts regarding the Springboks versus the All Blacks game? Good evening, everyone. Um, yeah, firstly, 
I said that he he had played uh, he had played enough. For me, he had done enough because knowing knowing the type of uh, injury that he had, it, uh, it it obviously had to do with a more contact based uh, injury. So, which is why I said he had done enough. But as you said, uh, the, the coaches had other other plans, and then they pushed him. I think I think he, they will, he will also feel very confident going to this World Cup. But uh, yeah, but other than that, if you look at the game itself, I mean, what can I say? The the box came out the blocks. They they put uh, New Zealand under pressure. They made they kept um, New Zealand basically at, at gave them pressure, and they kept the ball ball at hand, which created more pressure for New Zealand. And the penalty the penalty count was just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times he warned. Uh, I don't know how many times uh, the official warned New Zealand because there were a couple of times where he warned them in the in the in the red zone, and then after that he gave a yellow card in uh, almost like on the ten halfway line, and then another penalty was in the red zone, and then he gave another yellow card. So I think for New Zealand, obviously they would have to go back and and look at um, uh, how they could have uh, dealt with the first ten minutes. Yeah, uh, almost like a, the play in Eden, the game in Eden Park where they came out the blocks. Yeah, I think for South Africa it is. It is. I hope. I hope this is a sign that keeping ball in hand and running at a position is is better than just every kicking away, uh, kicking ball away. Because if you remember in New Zealand, that's what happened when we came off the second half. We started playing. South Africa started bringing it. And they started playing. They started playing, which made more. Um, positive, uh, positive results for South Africa, and the start of this game is exactly the same. They came out the blocks. They played, they played with the ball. They played more. They played more, and they kept on going. So that touching on that, I think um, for me, uh, South Africa, this is one of the best tests they could have asked for in terms of how what they can bring on the field. Mm. So now. We can say I don't know I don't know what uh, what the other guys think, but I I think now we can say uh, it's not that predictable. The game plan is not that predictable because of the fact that they can kick the ball. Yes, we know they do kick a lot, uh, but they can kick keep the ball, and obviously when they keep the ball, they're more dangerous. Mm. Fair enough, Jade. Good evening, guys. Um, yeah, um, like for you said, they came out of the box and. You know, they never allowed New Zealand back into the game. Actually, New Zealand never allowed themselves back into the game with their discipline. I mean, we've seen it a few times at Ellis Park and at a few times in Africa where the box had New Zealand under the pump. They should have put the game away in the first half, but they allowed New Zealand back and New Zealand sneaks it in the last 10, 20 minutes. Mm. Uh, not this time around. They kept their foot on the throttle. They destroyed New Zealand. It was a marker performance. Um, from South Africa perspective, these you know, these they were they were brilliant in all aspects. They were they were flawless. Um, although they could still improve, I like how they worked on the escorting as well. Um, you know, from learn from the mistakes in the first game, the escort game was right. Uh, the mix and match between you know the rush defense and the escorting was was perfect for me. They they, they never gave New Zealand a loophole in the game. The defense was spot on. Kanan Moody was brilliant. I can go through the whole team, they're all yeah. brilliant. And the three, my three brothers that came from the bench, um, Bongi, Trevor, Ox, wow. <laughs> they, 
they blew New Zealand apart in the second half, scrum wise. Yeah. Um, guys, they were just they, they were good. They were good. And if you're looking at that performance today of France, and you know, you're asking the question, uh, you know, will France win the World Cup? The question can now: Can France beat the box? <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to look at certain aspects. Can France beat the box with that performance on Saturday, on Saturday, Friday? So. And also the box. Brilliant, brilliant performance. I'm going to stick with you, Jade. Uh, you are an All Black fan as well. I mean, on an All Black side of things, I mean, what are your thoughts? Uh, what, where do they go from here? Leadership. Leadership, Scoop. Leadership. Um, for me, you can't be undisciplined like that. You can't give numerous penalties away. Your mindset to come to the game, you can't be... I mean, you, you can't be undisciplined. You go mm. back to the Super Rugby final where yeah. the Chiefs under, under Sam Kane's leadership go away three yellow cards. Yeah. Now, is it a trend from Sam Kane? I mean, I looked at the second half playing under 14 men. What you say to the guys is, well, between 28 note down or between one note down, no more tries. Let's work on our defense. Let's take some positive out of this game. Mm. But the leadership, the... They, they, had no, they, they had no answer to the box. I don't know, was it the mindset? Did they think they're just going to pitch up on the day and play against a hungry and determined box team? Um, there's so much questions to ask now for from New Zealand perspective. They, their scrums was a mess. Their liners was a mess. Yeah. They looked scared. They looked scared of the box. You know, nobody wanted to take up the ball in that second half besides um, Samasoni Tokiawi. Yeah. Um, Cam Roigar was a, a positive. Uh, Mwanga looked nowhere. Um, Bottom Barrett, question marks again, easy. The best answer at 15. Scott Barrett, he's uh, <laughs> in a pickle. Uh, this game did harm to this team. Um, the, after this game, I mean, with no Max's injury, with Scott Barrett, I'm not sure. I've, I read that he might still face it, um, you know, the DC this week, I'm not sure. Mm. But I mean, they lose him in the first game. They have no locks. They have to go to Tupovai and Whitelock and maybe somehow try and force Josh Lord into the squad because he's not in the squad. Yeah. So they, 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 they a deep mess. Um, I don't think it's mind games or anything. I think New Zealand are in trouble at the moment um, from where they were, where everybody thought they were favourites. It's back to reality. And me and myself and you had this conversation numerous times. Yeah. Do you trust Ben Foster? <laughs> He's a bad form performance just around the corner. So yeah, reality check. They've got a lot of work to do in this World Cup, but it's not all in. You know, it's not all lost. Um, yeah. They 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 can still do it, but yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Vuya, you want to jump in? Yeah, just uh, just on I missed a point to a one of my points. Um, uh, Jay just touched on it. Where was Bodenberg, guys? I didn't see him at all. Mm. Maybe that's something that they have to consider. Maybe he's not the right person at fullback, especially if there's no there's no uh, opportunity of counter attack or something yeah. like that. Um, and then also, uh, I was very impressed with how the box worked on there. We call it getting in between spaces uh, for offloads. I was very, very impressed with that defense because they got into spaces. I mean, that's how Curtis try came through. That's how, um, that's a couple of times, uh, with ooh, Moody, Moody getting a couple of uh, interceptions and the uploads. So, I mean, they worked quite well. Uh, I mean, it was brilliant to see how they got into spaces. And yes, they were found wanting at times on the outside, but because they got into spaces, there wasn't any chance for continuity rugby. Mm. And um, and then also, I mean, it, like I said, it's just 
for me, I, I never thought that, could, that that turnaround could have come that quickly. No, fair. Because, but I mean, if we look at the Springbok strategy, right, uh, from uh, from Friday's game, not, there wasn't a lot of kicking. Um, they put the All Blacks under the pump through set piece and also at the breakdown. Uh, they made quite, uh, <clears throat> they made very good carries as well in midfield, um, breaking through um, the midfield of the All Blacks. Bowden Barrett now doesn't have a chance of getting into the game if the Springbok game plan is not to kick. So now how does he, as a leader, I mean, he's got, what, over 100 caps now. I think he's experienced enough to 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 take some leadership and ownership within that all-black squad, actually, as a team. But then do we now, as the question has been asked by Mods, if Bowden Barrett doesn't start at 15, do we now go to a Will Jordan at 15? Jade? You know what? I have this theory of Bowden Barrett, and you guys would laugh. I always go back to the Fiji game they played a few years ago. Yeah. It was very physical. And Bowden Barrett and Coley Taylor was tackled and hit. You know, those guys look scared. And Coley Taylor turned his game around. But since then, Bowden Barrett is a part of physical. He's not the same um, physically anymore. He's, he really is not the same. He, he doesn't have that. We used to take the ball flat on the line and, you know, look for contact. That that game's lost. So I've got this theory of Bowden Barrett. In, in terms of that, I think maybe, you know, he's scared of the physical aspect. But you got to come into the game. you got to find ways to get into the game. Yeah. Ben Smith would, would find ways to affect the game. Even though, you know, you're not having the best day. You would see Ben Smith be quiet and then he locks up winning the getting the, the, the winning try in the game. The same with him. I mean, there's, there's multiple world-class players that do it. The the other thing that you know I wanted to mention on 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 Friday's game to add on to your point the way the box defended and you know getting between the lines it's a similar tactic to what the Cheetahs did against Crusaders a few years ago where they had Fruin and um, Sanibel Williams at twelve yeah. where Everson got between the lines you know it's a similar tactic but in terms of the box you know moving forward and getting go forward ball if the platform is there guys if the platform is there and you're going forward and your back is getting meters. Your backline has all the chance, all the space, you know, to, to shine. Yeah. Um, I've seen it in the first game with Rico and um, Jordi looked brilliant. But in this game, they were nowhere because they were going backwards. Mm. In this game, you saw Israel and then Moody looked brilliant. And then Aaron Sir and, you know, the rest of the Bok team. So in terms of Bowden Barrett, my question is, is he physically up for it again? Is he still, does he have that heart, that, you know, that Taranaki hardness in him? Or has he lost it? If you're going to go to Will Jordan now, what effect is it going to have on the team? Because, I mean, they've been going with this dual, not dual playmaker, but I mean, having two playmakers in the team. Mm. Do they go, do they go to Will Jordan or do they go to Damien McKenzie at fullback? You know, Oof. if they're all going to make the change. I don't know. I think it's too late. I think they have to start Bowden at fullback for the first game. But it's, it's concerning. It's, it's concerning. I mean, he's, he, he doesn't look, he hasn't looked his best all year, guys. Uh, our UK counterparts have been very quiet. Hugh, um, you are a very, you're a big fan of uh, URC rugby. How impressed were you by uh, Manny Libok uh, on Friday? Uh, look, everybody knows that I'm a huge Libok fan. Um, I, I, I was delighted, obviously. His, his goal kicking was getting better. Um, you know, uh, we need to see whether that trend continues. I hope so. Yeah. I think he, it's like Eddie Jones says, you need to give Tens time in the jersey. And I think the the more time he gets, I still think it's 
you know, similar with Sam Costello, what I say about him, he's mm. at the beginning of his arc. He's he's getting better all the time. And I think, you know, maybe ideally the box would have put him in a little bit earlier yeah. um, than just right before the World Cup. Obviously, they've been forced with Pollard's injury. But I think the bucket has got what it takes to be the, the Springboks 10 for the for the next generation. No fair. I mean, Ender, your thoughts regarding the game and uh, who stands out for you from uh, Friday's game? Look, just overall for this game, I, I was just completely shocked. Like, I don't think any of us uh, saw this coming, did we? Yeah, you're true. Um, so, yeah, and roll on. What I'm really excited about now, obviously, is that opening World Cup game um, with France versus Brazil. I don't know how that's going to go. But I do just want to add, and maybe it's hard, I know in previous pods I've definitely kind of brought up perspective and, and looking at maybe, like I know we were looking at the big Springboks win versus uh, Wales, we did kind of call out, you know, that it wasn't Wales' first team, but certainly this was yeah. pretty much the Allbacks' first team, so you can't, like, you, you have to, you know, sit up and, and take note of, of this massive performance, but I also just, it, it is the All Blacks. Like they are, like in a way, I could almost see this benefiting them in a way that they've got this hammering, they've got this massive, huge wake up call. Mm. And now, you know, I'd be nervous if I were France, probably when it's because the All Blacks are not like they're like how often, like we rarely see the All Blacks make so many errors. Um, we never really see them have such a lack of discipline at times as well. Like to me, from an Irish perspective, like this was such an un Joe Schmidt esque performance. Yeah. Um and that that's what really, really surprised me. Um so I do think, you know, we can we don't need to read for me anyway, I think we need to just bear in mind that this is the All Blacks. They'll be better at the World Cup and I think in a way, um they could potentially benefit um from this because it was like what better warm up game, yeah. you know, ahead of uh, such a match, especially with, with that opening game at home with France playing at home in a World Cup um, opener. So, and, and obviously from a Springboks perspective, you know, it was extremely encouraging. What a confidence builder. Khaleesi back to his best. Like, he looks better than ever to me. Yeah. Um, you swear that he wasn't out injured for so long. Um, so, yeah, so many positive things from a Springboks perspective, but we, we've touched on a lot of those. But, yeah, for me, let's think about, yeah, just to realise this is the All Blacks. They'll be okay. And even with Bowden Bird, I think he'll be back stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll learn from this. Um, but yeah, just it, it, it's the All Blacks we're talking about here. I yeah. think they'll be okay. And I think in a way, this would be a, a good wake-up call. No, fair enough, fair enough. Staying with the UK counterparts, um, before we move on to the big upset of the weekend, can we now say the Springboks are definitely, definitely favourites to go all the way in France? This is for the group as well. <laughs> Don't be shy. Don't all jump in at once. I don't know who's favourites anymore. <laughs> before Friday, I thought the New Zealand were nailed on. Um, and before that, I thought France were nailed on. Yeah. I, I'm not willing to flip-flop again. Yeah, well. I'm just going to keep quiet. Well, the French just put 40 on Australia in, I mean, 10 minutes Everybody ago. Everybody puts 40 on Australia. <laughs> this is great, though, isn't it? Like, we, we, none of us, well, I know only you have spoken, but, like, I can't predict who's going to win this. That's... That's yeah. what makes this bloody exciting. Like we're all we've all been complaining about, you know, how many good teams are in the same groups together. Yeah. But for me, like this is going to be such a an open World Cup. Like it's yeah. But, it, like I don't know what the uh, I'd love to hear the other guys' thoughts on this, but I can't. Before I let again, you like similar to you, I would have said the All Blacks. But <laughs> after Friday, I'd say Springboks. Yeah, but before I let you go, and uh, I mean, you guys are quietly confident playing on the other side of 
these warm-up games. You're not really playing Tier 1 nations, playing Portugal, playing Samoa, which was a bit of a struggle, obviously. But how is the mood in Ireland, especially now after the the announcement of the team? I think everyone is quite positive. Everyone didn't expect, didn't uh, have any issues with the squad, like we said. But in terms of going into the World Cup, how confident do you think uh, Ireland can go? How far do you think Ireland can go? How far do I think Ireland can go? Uh, I think we can genuinely make the semis, <laughs> the elusive semis uh, this time around. I really do. Um, if we don't get injuries in key positions, but from an Irish perspective, like we're very uh, well grounded, we don't like I. A lot of Irish people would say that we'll probably get knocked out in the in the quarter against either France or New Zealand um, so but uh, but obviously yeah, I'd say it's a minority of people are quietly confident that we can get to the semis Yeah, but a lot of people are also just realistic in, in terms of the amount of talent we're going to face in that quarter final but for me I think with the game plan and with the, the players that we have we can certainly we can certainly get far um, but I would say that the semi-final is probably the limit for us yeah I mean, after watching the Springboks as well, probably a bit nervy going into those uh, group games. I think it's the last game of September or in the first week of October against uh, the Springboks. But obviously, the will, you guys will have built up some uh, combinations and some momentum going into that game. I think that game everyone is looking forward to. Um, guys, over the weekend, Fiji upset England in Twickenham. I mean, who this is... Your favorite headline, actually. Um, congratulations to Fiji. Um, we've been talking about Bothwick. We've been talking about England over the past couple of weeks. It seems like nothing has changed. We are four weeks in. Nothing has changed. It's the same old England. They look lethargic. They look um, directionless, structureless. There's really nothing positive anyone can say. All we are seeing is a lot of their... Uh, leaders busy on Twitter, social media, answering comments, putting out fires. What are your thoughts, Hugh? I mean, of uh, the Fijian win, actually. Yeah, so obviously, you know, all the content that I've been putting out um, over the last three, four weeks has all been, I, it feels like it's all been either about Fiji or England. How yeah. <laughs> Fiji are on this trajectory and how England are on the opposite <clears throat> trajectory. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get a ticket to go and see the game. Um, and it really felt like a, a convergence of something for me, you know. And I think, you know, you say about same old England, they, they, nothing's changed. I think England's problem is that there's nothing that they can change. They, they can't change the team. They haven't got enough depth. Um, they obviously, <clears throat> they're looking at Borthwick now. They can't sack Borthwick. The optics of that are horrendous. Mm. It, it's better to stick with him till at least after after the World Cup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, about Fiji, you know, you, you you kind of saw this coming, and and through the game, you know, I know I like to talk about stats and things, but I was there watching the warm ups, and I was watching Fiji warm up right in front of me, and they were they had their game faces on, they were all warming up together, they had intense, they were really snappy in what they were doing. Yeah. And then I looked down the other end of the pitch, I could see. Ollie Chesson was just like kicking a ball to himself and running after it and things. And like, he looked like a kid just playing down the park. I could see Johnny May was practicing kicking, but on his own. So no one was even throwing the balls back to him. He was just doing his own thing. Jeez. And then they sort of did this half-hearted, non-committal backs move thing. 
over on the one side and I was like what, what only one team looks up for this game yeah and okay England started quite strongly and you know when they got their eight points and then the, the rain came down and guys it was proper thunder and lightning you know on TV it always looks better than it is it was a proper monsoon by English standards um, but yeah the, it, all the advantages should have been with England on about the 10 minute mark but Fiji just grew and even when they got that first try ruled out Fiji just believed and believed and believed and I got I got to spend some time with some Fijian guys while I was there and they said to me Fiji when the sun's on their backs and they start to believe and they start to play with a smile they just get better and better and better and that's what they did you could see Naithalevu um, from the middle of the first half onwards was playing with a smile on his face yeah. and I think that that sums up what Fiji were doing and I think it sums up where they managed to get to England yeah, it's like where we got to with Australia when uh, at the end of the rugby championship, there was nothing that I could say about Australia that I haven't already yeah. said. And there's nothing I can say about England that I haven't already said. They're in a hole, and I think it's going to take them more than the World Cup to get out of it. No, fair. Jade, you've also uh, been keeping an eye on uh, Fiji uh, along the way since uh, Super Rugby Pacific, and also along with Hugh and Enda as well. What are your thoughts with, uh, with uh, yesterday's result? You know, when I look at this Fiji team, I see a shift in mindset because I think it was around about the 50th minute and then it was uh, Robert Amara that butchered that nice level try. I mean, a simple pass that had to stick and it would have been 10-8. And then England shortly after that, they had, um, I think it was Maui. Maui got a yellow card and then England yeah. had a line-out on the five uh, in the red zone. And normally, the Fiji that we know, they buckle from there. England score. They go into the break. It would have been, what, 15-3. You know, Fiji under the pump. England sneaks a week. A win. That would be the typical Fiji. But not this team. This team has character. This team has a lot of character installed in it. They have a lot of brotherhood, which was, I mean, the, 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 the spirit, the team spirit and the brotherhood amongst Pacific Islands teams always been there. But this team has this unity. Yeah. Um, remember, they still got Portia. Um, they still got Josiah Tewisava to come back into this team. Um, the center combination between Radrada and um, Naisa Levo looks like a gem. And they've got a fly-off that can win them the game with his boot. Yeah. They had been Falipaolo for a few years. I mean, he was, what, a 50% goal-kicker. Caleb Munz is an absolute gem at 10. Yeah. And he's got character and he's, he's a leader. So this team looks, they look well balanced, they look well drilled. I mean, Matavesi at two, he, I'm not lying to you, I think he could walk into the box team and be on the bench, he wouldn't replace marks, but I mean, you wouldn't see the difference because, I mean, he's, he's a, a special hooker, he, he's, he's a good hooker, he, he reminds us so much of Dan Sheehan of, of Highland. Yeah. This team is, is, they have character, but you know what the, 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 the main thing of this team is? They can match you up front. They might not beat you, but they can match you up front. They never had this. I mean, how many World Cups did we say, if only Fiji had a scrum, if yeah. only Fiji had line Now they have this. Yes, we don't know. Maybe it was Jason Ryan's work a few years ago and, yep. and the, the groundwork he put in there. But they have that now. They have a platform to work from. They're brilliant at the breakdown. They got a kicking game. I'm not so sure of the aerial game. We'll see that in the World Cup against Wales. Wales might put them under pressure with that. Yeah. But this team has a foundation to pull from and they can go very far in this World Cup. No, well said, well said. Ender, you want to finish that off? 
Yeah, uh, I don't want to. Yeah, look, I think none of us here on the panel and our regular listen, listeners were surprised at that that English result. I don't think, or that English performance, really, were we? Um, and I think our, our guest from last week, uh, Catherine Cavanagh, did mention this on Twitter. And I think she was dead right. There's been too much focus after this big result on England. We need to talk about Fiji and. Look, they were, they were fantastic. And two things that stand out for me, and Jade has already touched on one of them, they now have a reliable goal kicker so they can turn pressure into points. That is so important, especially for Tier 2 nations and, and, and watching Six Nations throughout the years. Italy oftentimes struggled um, to turn pressure into points because they didn't have a reliable kicker. So for me, that's one massive standout for them. Yeah. Um, and second, just their, their set piece. Like Traditionally, I know it can sometimes sound like a lazy observation about some Tier 2 nations, but you, you know, you'd often say that maybe they would, they would struggle at set piece, but Fiji didn't, especially against England. That was a formidable English pack. So I think that, like, for those two reasons, I think we need to take note of Fiji. I think they're, as Jade said, they are genuine contenders at least to get out of the group. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not a crazy statement. I don't think after that game. And what's so pleasing watching them is that they're a mature team now. Like they 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 don't play maybe a, I don't want to say a traditional Fiji style of play where they just kind of throw the ball around. They're smart. They kick the ball when they need to. They don't run all the time from inside their own twenty-two. They're smart where they play the game. They do still throw offloads, but they don't throw those 50-50 offloads, which is brilliant. Um, they're amazing at counterattack. Uh, it's just, yeah, they're such a mature team for me now yeah. with genuine world-class players and uh, with a good set piece, a reliable 10. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling very good about Fiji. If I were a Fiji fan, I'd be quite confident that they'd at least get out of, out of the group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they don't, like you said, they don't throw 50-50 passes like Jordy Barrett giving it to Kudliet. Uh, Aronson. Uh, Vuyo and then Hugh? Yeah, hey guys, you know what? I've, I've watched this Fiji team. Um, I've watched them and I, I repeated the game this morning and I asked myself, like, how did they win the game? The question I have to ask ourselves, did they win the game or did New Zealand, did England beat themselves? Because, to be honest, I saw nothing on attack. There's no shape. Shape is bad. There wasn't any. Um, there wasn't any structure. The what I saw was one-on-one uh, brilliance. Uh, the fourteen, obviously, uh, creating two tries. Um, I mean, he scored one, and then he created another one. For me, the 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 one thing that we have to be uh, we have to think about is when the tough gets going. Um, what are you gonna do? What structure are you gonna bring? Okay, well, how did Fiji win the game? Fiji won the game because of defense. They smashed into those tackles. They were hard into into contact. Uh, forced a lot of um, a lot of a, a ball a, a, a ball carries and like errors and ball carries, uh, unforced errors. Uh, they forced a lot of that, and because of the pressure they built, but they didn't create anything other than individual brilliance. Um, Yes, they they kicked, they kicked. Um, they didn't kick. I wouldn't say their. I think their kicking was average. I don't think their kicking uh, got them in the front foot, but they, their kicking was was okay. It wasn't too bad. Um, one thing that um, Jade touched on is the hooker. Fuck, he's sorry. He's brilliant. <laughs> he's he's. I think he actually is right to be where he is in, in England and Northampton. He's got the right. He deserves to be there. I think also what we're forgetting to to understand about Fiji is that 
because now their team has started playing in the Super Rugby, they're getting uh, top competition almost every weekend. And then um, obviously some of their old uh, their their overseas players are playing top rugby. They playing uh, English Premiership, French fourteen. Um, Mata was amazing last night. Uh, Mata is is at uh, he's at um, if I'm not mistaken Edinburgh. He look yeah. they, they they can push they they can shift. Now they're starting to understand professional rugby. That's what's important is that they're starting to understand. Bringing Daryl Gibson in uh, also helps because yeah. obviously he's coming with a different eye and not having only just uh, Fijian coaches or or local based coaches. Uh, so I think at the at the moment. I wouldn't say. I, w- I think it's too quick to say that they will they will get out their pool. But I would definitely say they will be surprised. They will surprise uh, uh, the teams in terms of performance. I don't think they'll win the games because, I, as I said, I don't. If, if you if you're playing a team that's well structured and that's going to bring the right uh, 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 performance on the day, I don't think Fiji is going to win. I, I'm 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 genuine about this and. That, and I said, and as I said, uh, I didn't see anything. I mean, look, if you look at all their tries, they came from nothing. It's just a creating, they were created by one um, individual brilliance. Hugh, I think uh, Jade wants to put, up, put on the boxing gloves again today. Uh, Hugh, you can go and then uh, Jade after you. Yeah, so just to add a couple of that actual bits of analysis of what I saw. So I think, you know, we talk about um, playing professionally, play, playing structured. Um there was a moment on the 65th minute, I want to say, where uh, England had a bit of momentum and uh, Fiji had forced a knock on uh, whilst in England were, um, you know, bearing down on their line. It was a scrum to Fiji. And, you know, the commentator was, commentator was saying, OK, Dan Cole's really going to put Fiji under pressure here. For the Fijian scrum, it was their pussy. Didn't budge. They put the ball in, took it out. It was one crash ball up uh, to get a good metres, five metres beyond the game line in their own 22 Pass out to months who booted it and it was a line out in the opposition half. It was like no team in the world could have done a better exit strategy than that. It was it was perfect rugby. Um, the other thing I'll say is talk, you know, trying to get Fiji to play structured. Part of me was worried about are we trying to get square pegs to fit in round holes? You know, uh, it is by trying to be something that they're not, are they going to lose what they're good at? And I think something that Fiji have identified, something that came out of the France game was the post-contact meters. Everyone looked at the post-contact meters from when they played France. They got like 350 post-contact meters. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's insane. If It was a, a deliberate strategy that they went for in both these games now, where a back, whether it be normally one of the wingers, yeah. um, would smash into someone and stay on his feet and start driving. And then a back rower would latch on and drive with them. And then they would make double figures in post-contact meters in one carry. Mm-hmm. It's to me that's Fiji playing to their strengths. That's going. What what are we? What do we pride ourselves on? Our physicality and our one on one. I can beat you. Okay, yeah. so how do we maximise that? So that's them starting to think, and that's that is them being structured but being true to themselves, which I really like. The one thing that I will say that is a bit of a worry for Fiji is that they do still concede. So England are pretty much the worst attack in the Northern Hemisphere, um, <laughs> and they still scored three tries past Fiji. And Fiji have conceded three tries in almost every game they've played this year. Um, and they've not you know, been playing the best opposition apart from when they played France. So that's something for them to worry about, I think. No, fair enough. Uh, Jade, you've got the gloves on. Uh, Vuyo is waiting. 
Na, 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 na. Rio destroyed me on Friday. I'm scared of him now this time. But I still have to give credit to Fiji. I mean, we've seen the team. The Sevens program, the last Olympics, had to get on the plane with a bunch of, I mean, it was a fisherman or was it, I mean, a, a fisherways, you know, aircraft to get to the Olympics. But now look at the decision the administration made. I mean, they've got, they had Van Cotter in. They had Jason Ryan in, they had got Daryl Gibson in. Okay, Ryan and Cotter's gone. Fiji hasn't played, they only played 11 games since 2019, something stupid like that, yeah. compared to the other nations. They haven't had, a, you know, a chance to implement the game plan, but they've got a drawer in Super Rugby. They've got, like I mentioned, those top coaches in, um, you know, to help in the system. They look much better. It's a pity, you know, that they lost somebody like Peter Gasso who would look to New Zealand rugby. I mean, he would be immense in this team. But, I mean, sometimes we just need to we always speak bad about you know, the Pacific Nations and the administration, but well done to Fiji Rugby. I mean, they've, they've got they've got eyes on them now. I mean, in the next few years, they've got the tests against Australia and New Zealand as well, and they've uh, penciled in. So, for them, they're doing the hard work behind the scenes as well. If they can keep on to players, I'm not speaking so much in New Zealand, but we're seeing them in France and England as well. Keep on to the top players. They can have a seat at the table at every World Cup. Mm. It's not just a World Cup. They'll just improve on it. And they need to be playing against the best teams. We don't need to be surprised by Fiji beating England. <laughs> it, it can become, become a normality. Yeah, fair enough. But we're talking serious structure and Vuyo is mentioning... Uh, quite an important point as well. Uh, everyone has said, obviously, quite important points about Fiji. But one question I want to ask then on a technical uh, aspect. If, if Fiji plays a Springboks, for example, the same Springboks that played against the All Blacks on Friday, I mean, how do you see, I'm still with you, Jade, how do you see Fiji handling that kind of pressure? That's, look, a uh, scoop. It's, it's difficult because I don't think there's many teams in world rugby that can handle that pressure. But let's say you put, let's say you box them and you go take them out up on front and, you know, you, you do a lot of kicking and you, you test the escort game, you test the aerial skills. Fiji hasn't answered those questions. They haven't played against a team so far that does that. Yeah. I don't think they have that in them. That is why when it comes where I think they'll get out of their pool. I think they have a chance to beat Argentina or England again in the quarterfinals if they get through and make a semi, Jeez. but that will be where they are. That will be their limit, you know? And <laughs> to play against somebody, a team like the box, uh, for example, you need to be used to that intense physicality. It's unfair for these guys to say, okay, I will be playing against them when they've never ever matched that or played against that physicality. They never even experienced it. Yeah. I mean, last week they played against France. France never brought that physicality. When they play against New Zealand, New Zealand's not going to bring that physicality. It's difficult. That's why I say, let's use it as a base and work forward on. I don't think they. I, I, I think semi finals where they'll stop. The box will be a stage too far for them because they have that physicality, they have that structure. PG doesn't have that. But it's something they can work on moving forward and take forward to the next World Cup, maybe. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, there were also other games, guys, uh, that took place uh, over the weekend. I mean, Ireland uh, struggled against Samoa, but it wasn't Ireland's first team either. Ender, your thoughts regarding Ireland uh, and Samoa on uh, Saturday? Let's just say it was a, a game to forget. Um, horrendous conditions. 
very hostile crowd. Um, you know, that disappointing injury to Healy. I just, yeah, for this, for, for me, this game is one you definitely need to put into perspective. Uh, Samoa pretty much had their, you know, their, their first team out. They were highly motivated. Ireland's, yeah. it was absolutely not their, their first team. Um, made so many errors. Uh, discipline wasn't great, but yeah, I, I think you always have to look at the conditions and, and how close we are to World Cup. You know, players are playing with that thought in the back of their head on, on whether or not they're going to make the squad the following day and not wanting to get injured. All of these things, I think, have to be factored in. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, and I think just even in terms of the game plan, I think we're a little bit more conservative than we usually are. But I think that's probably expected this close to the World Cup because we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we didn't want to potentially give give too much away in terms of um, Seppi's play, plays and whatnot. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if how many of our listeners and how many of the panel actually watched the game. It was it was quite poor. Yeah. Uh, the conditions, as I said, were, were really quite challenging. But a, a game to forget for me. But I wouldn't. I just wouldn't read too much into it. Yeah. And will be much better at the World Cup. But oh, what I will say is England could be in trouble against Samoa. That's for sure. <laughs> no, fair enough. But sticking with Ireland uh, at the moment, because I'm looking at what's what's transpired over the past couple of uh, weeks regarding the warm-ups. Right, uh, Ireland is probably the only side who is regarded as favourites going into this World Cup. That hasn't played Tier 1 Nations. Uh, Vuyo, you're a coach. I mean, looking at how battle-hardened Springboks probably are now at this point, how battle-hardened maybe France is currently now, uh, maybe I'll put in a, a Wales in there as well, uh, All Blacks, um, 50-50. Looking at Ireland as one of the contenders for this World Cup, I mean, do you think playing Portugal, playing Samoa, playing Italy is preparing you for the World Cup or for the group that they're going to be playing in, especially. Uh, because looking at, even when they play in those group stages, they're starting off with like Romania. So they haven't really played anyone who's pushed them to an extent where we see them under pressure. Maybe beside, maybe Samoa yesterday a little bit, but obviously the conditions and the team wasn't the A team. How do you see Ireland performing in that Group B uh, aspect? Yeah, I think, um, look, if it, as coaches, you always want to not put yourself in a situation where you're going to lose players in terms of uh, injuries or anything like that. I think yeah. you always want to play a team where you can build your structure, where you can build your 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 attack shape where you can stop the defense to build confidence. So mm. it's not it's not a matter of who you play, it's a matter of how can you get your team to be confident in certain um, situations. And I think most coaches focus on attack instead of defense because uh, if I, if you look at um, Ireland, for example, they wouldn't be worried about their defense. They have a solid defense. They've been defending like this for a long time. So they they're pretty settled. Maybe they just want to try a few things on attack and uh, being given a certain defense or different defense uh, helps build that uh, confidence. Um, if you, if I would say for them, they're probably in a situation where they, they say to themselves that we're going to go, we're going to build into it. We're going to, yeah. when the time comes, we're going to, we're going to fire because we've had match practice. We've had situations where we were faced with. Uh, so that's probably what they're going with. 
And um, I think, look for, also you have to, as a coaches, you have to look at your depth, how much depth, um, uh, quality depth, I mean, quality depth that you have. Do you want to risk it? Do you want to play the top, the top teams and then lose a couple of players? Or do you want to, or do you want to actually play some, a few easy games just to get the guys a little bit more confident, especially in your, in your, you know, within your squad. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not a, a cast in stone, black or white. It's, it's one of those where you give it, a, you give it a try and you hope that your players start firing when it comes to, when, it, when it's at the right time. So if you look at champion, uh, what you call it, uh, quarters, quarterfinals rugby, knockout rugby. When you look at knockout rugby, you want, uh, obviously to be, have been tested. Um, to have faced a tough time, so for them it's easy. They've got Scotland, they've got uh, they've got uh, South Africa, so they will get that. It's just a matter of can they win those games. That's what the question is. Hmm. Fair enough. I think that is that does make some sense. Hugh, do you have any views regarding this particular aspect? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Maybe Ireland are thinking, well, we always peak too early. So maybe if we don't play anyone good, we can't peak. Maybe <laughs> that's that's the theory. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's fifty fifty. I mean, everyone was saying a couple of weeks ago that we shouldn't be playing any warm up games at all because too many people get injured. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't read too much into it to be honest. I think when when the rubber hits the road, um, it, everything will be a different story. Jade. Yeah, I think Ireland still has that 2007 um, guys where the school got punched in a warm-up game in the back of their mind. But you know what? I'm looking at the fixtures. I don't think it's a problem. Um, they have Romania up first, and then I think it's Tonga, and then they play the final two, um, the Scotland and South Africa, so they can... You know, against Tonga, I think that's where we'll see their 15, the strongest 15 play, and they'll play the other two games as well. It could be dangerous going to the quarters because would mean that after play South Africa, Scotland, and then the quarterfinals, you know, you might need to play five weeks in a row with a full-strength team. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have a squad. Um, you know, the one concern I had from them yesterday was the scrum. Um, some overpowered in its scrum time, which was, you know, it was really didn't look um, all that promising at scrum. And it made me think, you know, is this backup props... What happens if Portia or um, Furlong gets a niggle? Um, are they good enough, you know, to to to, to replace them? Island one to fifteen is a brilliant team. Um, Scoop, we, we need to just go back last year to when Island A played their New Zealand in, Invitational team, or was it the and in New Zealand Invitational team gave them fifty in Island. So it's not really to say that the best of or the best of the rest is the best players or they are good. Yeah. They just haven't been tested in their situations. So it is a concern for them. Um, but from one to fifteen, they're world class unit. Know what to do. Everybody. I mean, you could wake. Um, Gibson Park up in two o'clock in the morning, and you could ask him what to do in a certain situation. He'd tell you the way they are. They're ready. They drilled. But the bench <laughs> is my concern for them, and the reserves is my concern. Okay, no, fair enough, understandable. Uh, I think Enda, you wanted to close the particular topic. I uh, saw your hand up. Yeah, just one thing on. I suppose I very on nailed it for me. It's it's the build up. So I get where you're going from, Scoop, in terms of, yeah, we haven't been playing wor- maybe, you know, world-class uh, teams in the lead-up. But, yeah. yeah, the first game is against Romania, second game Tonga, third game, you know, Springboks, 
followed by Scotland. So I think they can build nicely. Um, and then obviously if they do get through the quarters, which we all think, I think they will, you know, they could potentially be in a really good position by then. Like the problem with the 2019 World Cup from Ireland is that we had peaked too early. That's been the main criticism of that. So hopefully Ireland have learned their lessons since then. And I just think, you know, from an injury perspective, they did touch on it there. Like I am slightly concerned about the scrum now. But other than that, we're in a very good position injury-wise, and that's probably been helped potentially by, you know, we only played three World uh, Warm-Up games, and maybe that Sexton ban was a blessing in disguise because he's a competitor. He wants to play in every single game. He, he, you'd see him come on, you know, in a URC game against Zebra with maybe 15 minutes to go, and he's the most competitive player on the yeah. field. He's, you know, he's that type of guy, um, so I think it's brilliant to, be, to have him um, yeah, resting up. Um, but yeah, well, I think we'll leave it there. But yeah, potentially wearing signs at some time. Fair enough, fair enough, gentlemen. Thanks for that for those for that input. Um, over the weekend, uh, there was something that probably took me aback. I never expected it. I think Eddie Jones once also mentioned it uh, in two thousand and one, and I think Jacques Ninaba also mentioned it, but obviously lot in a <clears throat> in a laughing manner about this. Uh, Vili Leroux pulled out of the Springbok game uh, last minute and then Springboks were forced to make a change and Kwaka Smith had to fill into that gap. And then this meant that the Springboks went into the All Black game with a 7-1 split. One backline player uh, and six forwards. Today, this evening, we saw Australia uh, employ the same tactic as well. 7-1 split. Uh, Jade, I'm gonna start off with you. Seven-one split. Is that the is that the new thing we might see going into this World Cup as well? And the risks and implications that come with a seven-one split. I hope not. I hope not. Um, you know, it's <laughs> you have a seven-one split as as a risk. Um, I mean, there is always talk that Kwaka can play on the wing. Um, he can fill in in the backline. But it's a big risk. Um, not in the, not in the quarter final or semi final. Yeah, I do. That is enough of a risk as well. I mean, what if your scrum off goes down early or you lose a backline player early on? So you're in trouble. I hope not. I think it's just try during the World Cup uh, warm ups. I think it's also mind games from the master of mind games, Rasi Rasmus. You know, just to keep us thinking: <laughs> Will we do it? Will we not do it? Um, Eddie Jones, I don't know what he did today. Um, with a 7 1 split, um, he could have tried maybe, maybe France should have allowed him to bring a new pack on and have, you know, even more backs to bring on as well. They wouldn't get close in that game. But I hope not. Um, for the sake of the spectacle, I hope not because I feel that as much as Africa's backs are good, they have coming before so good, they have quality backline players as well. Mm. And, you know, not to see, I would mean that, um, guys like Kirtley Aronson, Moody, um, Pimpi, you know, we would only see them in the against, was it, um, Romania and Tonga? We wouldn't really see the, yeah. you know, a lot of our backline players. I hope, I really hope not, guys. Um, I still believe that 5-3 is a safe split, a five safe way to go. But yeah, 7-1, I think it's just my games before the World Cup. It's Rassi Rasmus, he's the master at that. Hugh, any views, opinions regarding 7-1? I just think that um, obviously the Kiwis went 6-2 for the first time and yeah. I think Razzie took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's, that's as deep as it was. Um, 
obviously Eddie um, Jones has gone six seven one today. I tell you what, guys, Eddie Jones is obsessed with the Springboks, and he has been ever since the final in twenty nineteen. Eddie Jones is obsessed with the Springboks, and he just they he thinks about them at night. I promise you. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. I think the Lions on the 2021 tour, yeah. because of COVID um, um, positive cases, uh, had to play 7-1 in a game. I think Talupe Falatau was the replacement winger yeah. um, on the bench, which is fine because he's a world-class player. Um, what do I think of it? I don't know. I thought The only thing I think is that it's funny that Peter Steftatoy got sinned bins just so um, he didn't feel left out. <laughs> Uh, Vuyo, as a coach yourself, I know you specialize within sevens, but the risk element regarding seven-one split, in your views? Look, I think um, it all depends because mostly when you talk about uh, reserves, you talk about specialists. So if you look at, for example, reserves, you look at your specialist hooker, your specialist loose head, your specialist tighted, and then your next position from there is your specialist uh, nine. So the loose three is not much of a specialist uh, position because they, as long as they can obviously scrum and hold the scrum, that should be fine. Uh, then, so what, what this seven or split is doing is basically cancelling it out, only focusing on the specialist and putting players that you will need on the field. I would, I'm not necessarily, um, Happy with it? I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a right way to go. But if you if you if your coach wants to dominate up front, uh, I think it would be. It is obviously something that you could look at. But uh, but then, what happens when you pick up an injury early yeah. on? That's the biggest question. So, for example, if you pick up an injury at wing, then you send your reserve scrum off to wing. And then you pick up an injury at center, and then you, now you have to jumble it all up again. Now you have to move people around. So I think it is dangerous. It is dangerous in that sense, but it's something that uh, coaches do look at in terms of uh, only looking at the specialist. Um, I put out um, a message on my group the other day about. So you normally look at your bench and you say, this person covers this. In case of a yellow card, this is what's going to happen. In case of a red card, this is what's going to happen. In case of an injury in the back, who's taking over there. So you do have that kind of structure. So you know exactly who's going to go where, which is why Red came on the wing. Yeah. What, what I would have loved to see, though, I mean, what I would have loved to see is a certain half of the field, uh, Faf declared plays nine, and certain half of the field... Um, now that's a new game changer now that's a new game changer but uh, yeah but for me it's not so much of a favorite and uh, I mean looking at talking about Eddie Jones guys um, he he took a seven on split but when did he make his change he literally left it till the I think 65th minute or, yeah. I mean that's not the right way to go if you're going to have six seven that's four, very Eddie yeah, if you know if you're gonna have seven fours on the bench, give the give the buggers a chance to to actually get out there and prove themselves or or dominate in terms of because you could see Tupo was Tupo worked hard in this game and he was done. Yeah, and I wish he was subbed earlier so that someone else could take over. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's the way Eddie thinks as 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 uh, emphasis. <laughs> Fair. And uh, you want to finish us off with this one. 
yeah, for me, I don't want to see it. And I don't think, yeah, none of us really want to see it. We want to see backs come on, you know, especially when a team is chasing a game and they need to maybe, you know, take more risks and run for their own 22, for example. And look as well, like if you have a player playing out of position, a quality side will absolutely target that position over and over and again. Yeah. And that's why for me, it's just too risky that the, the best sides out there will target them. And mm. um, there are some teams out there who are probably wouldn't like I wouldn't be surprised if an Eddie Jones that team maybe wouldn't be smart enough to do that um sorry Eddie I'm sure he's listening um <laughs> but yeah so for me that that that's that's the reason and again like if you're chasing a game and you don't have some true game break like if you don't have your Mapimpies um and your Williams is on on the bench at the same time who we can just bring on to if you're chasing a game and to get those scores out of nothing almost then you're not going to be able to do that I don't think by just bringing on um forward no fair enough one of you guys listening is an Eddie Jones burner account and we will find out I'm sure there is and also speaking about people that are listening in guys do not be afraid to raise your hand and ask to obviously chime in and share some views from your side this is a live recording and uh, we also like to hear what your guys thoughts are are, or if there's something that uh, you're in that uh, took interest that you took interest in uh, over the weekend regarding rugby, uh, only rugby-related conversations. And uh, now what we do every week, uh, so we come to the last part of the pool stages. So we covered pool A, we covered pool B, we've covered pool C, and today we're covering pool D. And who is in pool D? We've got England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, and Chile. I think everyone will vote for the same team going into Chile. I mean, going into Group D as the wooden spoon. <laughs> Hugh, I want to start off with you uh, regarding Group D. Obviously, England is there, your favorite team. Uh, maybe share your views about Group D and who do you think is going to finish on top and who's your wooden spoon? Okay, so um, wooden spoon, yeah, I agree, it's Chile. Um, I was looking up Chile's <coughs> results um, and I, it, 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 they've had a really tough time. I think they excited a lot of people when they beat USA to qualify, mm. but since then they've had some really quite poor results uh, and they haven't won a game, I think, in six games um, and that it's not like they're playing um, Six Nations and Sanzar teams every week. They're, they're losing to other seven southern american teams yeah. so yeah unfortunately they could be the whipping boys with which we don't want to see mm-hmm. um i think japan i think a lot of people still have in their head 2019 japan yeah uh, and thinking oh the, these guys are still like the best tier two nation or whatever sadly uh, and we're not seeing that anymore i think um scoop we spoke about um whether you know losing the sun wolves uh, how much of an impact that has had on japan yeah i think a lot i think um keeping their domestic rugby fully contained um, isn't really doing anything for them, for them sadly. Yeah. Um, so I think probably Japan will finish uh, fourth in the pool. I think Argentina Ooh. are clear favourites. Um, obviously, they, they only won the one game in the rugby championship. They came close with South Africa away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think they're, they're clear favourites. I think they're playing better and I think they will rise to the occasion this is the first game up, which is against England. Obviously, they beat England at the end of last year. Um, and I just think they're, they're in, mentally in a better place. Um, in case anyone missed it, they uh, put 60 points on Spain yesterday. Um, mm. But I, I don't think that necessarily means anything, to be honest. Um, mm. And then, yeah, so that leaves Samoa or England. 
um, for the other one getting out of the pool. So um, all I'll say about that is that that is the last game of the pool stages. Um, England have got Argentina first up, mm-hmm. and then they've got the other two, and then they have um, Samoa as the last game, and a winner takes all. Jeez. And it, it, England don't like pressure. They don't like having to perform on the day. Um, so, yeah, I think Samoa... I think if Samoa lose to Argentina, um, they can they can brush that off. It doesn't really matter to them. Um, it, obviously, you would expect them to beat both Japan and Chile. I think if they lose to Japan, then that's kind of them out. Yeah. Um, but it's all on the last game. You would think that England would have too much, but um, you know, with Samoa, one thing I'll say about Samoa is they're actually the winningest of the Pacific Island nations. So even more than Fiji, they win more often than Fiji uh, when they play test matches. And the other thing is they haven't had as many players come across as Tonga for yeah. the new World Rugby um, eligibility yeah. rules. Yeah. But the players they have brought in, Charlie Famuina as a tight head, and then Lima Sopoanga and Christian Leleofano as the, as the fly halves. And obviously Stephen Lewatua in the back row as well. Yeah. If you were to ask a coach, like, okay, you're going to build a team and you can bring in players in any position that will improve your team immediately, they would say a tight head and a fly half. So that I think they haven't brought as many players, but I think the players that they have brought in transform them, honestly. So, you know, it's tough. It, even with the world's rugby as it is, it's a big call to say that they would beat England. But I tell you what, I will be there to watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. I, I think they actually have got a chance. If you if you look at their previous World Cup records and you look at the crowd choosing a hometown favourite, I think England could be in a spot to bother not coming out of that pool at all. And if you look at the tweets suddenly with the players... Gange and Marla, I'm not sure that's helping them gain any favourites. So there's no fans actually going to support them. <laughs> Sticking to you then, Jan, uh, who do you see finishing top of that pool? There's England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, Chile. The, yeah, the Argentina's going to do it. Fair. And I think Samoa might be second in that pool. Interesting. Over Japan? Yeah. Yeah, Japan's not not up to it at the moment. I mean, as uh, the previous guy said, it's um, they've, they've lost a lot of momentum not playing in the in the Super Rugby. Yeah, and and also the the talisman captain's not there, and they had a huge ban for um, what's that? Lubuskakni, Lapis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's going to play that first game or second game or something like that. Yeah. So I can't see Japan going forward. Okay, fair enough. Ender, your views with that group, D? Based on form and the, the Michael Jack effects, yeah, Argentina are favourites for me, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, the runner, yeah, the, the seconds, yeah, that that's a really tough one. Like For me, England are in crisis and they're, they're simply not good enough. And like the amount of pressure that Borton was, must be under now, and I know we were asked on a previous pod as well, I think it might have been you, Jade. We asked where where do England go from here, and I remember my answer was the only place they can go is to stick to what they know, which is a kick chase game, pressure game, set piece game. But even at that, they're not good enough. They're not disciplined enough. Mm. Their skills are poor. So I, I'd be I'd be leaning more towards Samoa, I think. Um, 
but it, it is hard like it is England at a World Cup you know I think they will still potentially perform okay in that yeah but yeah I, I would let's I'd say Samoa yeah I'll go with Samoa and then England third Japan fourth and, and Chile uh, last unfortunately but yeah for me England England are in crisis and I, I think it was uh, Brian Moore in the Telegraph who said maybe they speak the last week that he doesn't see them getting out and I, I think I believe him now hmm Reminds us of 2011 uh, World Cup in New Zealand. Uh, Vuyo, your thoughts on that Group D? Yeah, I think oh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And a lot of people might not like what I'm going to say. I think Argentina will finish top. England will finish second. So uh, Japan, uh, sorry, Samoa, third, fourth, Japan, fifth, obviously Chile. I think for me, look, it's it's not by mistake that teams, big teams, perform at big stages. I think it's 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 um, it comes with the the pedigree. It's almost like what we talk about when we say the the Northern Hemisphere has only won the World Cup uh, once. It's it is it's it, it is what it is, and so we I'm I'm looking at what uh, what has happened in the in the past, and I'm looking at what the players they have. Um, that are available to them. Yeah. Obviously, their structure at the moment is not helping. Uh, they have been massively uh, underperforming in terms. They have so many handling errors. I don't know if it's a focus issue. Yes, a couple of guys are mentioning uh, social media uh, tweets and posts and whatever. But for me, at the end of the day, on the field, if you look at, uh, if I look at. Mario Toja. Someone I saw someone tweeted today that Mario Toja is lazy, and I'm like, well, he's probably just trying to save his body for the World Cup because if he gets injured, he is out of the World Cup. So it's a matter of, for me. It's a matter of just um, putting everything into context. So that's why I'm saying Argentina will will definitely top the pool. I think uh, England will come second, and then um, obviously Samoa because I think Samoa will beat Japan. What I saw from the Japanese yesterday, there's nothing to write home about. There mm. is not anything to write home about. They're still going on about the last um, World Cup okay. performance or beating the box in 2015. Uh, yes, they created a really nice try yesterday, but uh, I can't see anything out of that. Uh, I think they will they will definitely be taken by surprise by the rest of the team. Fair enough. I mean, let's not take anything away from the Italian performance as well against Japan. I think Italians are really building nicely as well, uh, going into that Group uh, A with France and New Zealand. Uh, Jade? Yeah, you know, Chile will be a wooden spoon. Japan, for me, a year ago, they played against the All Blacks in Japan and they could have won the game at the end. Yeah. But we fell off the bus terribly this season. I don't know where it went wrong. I'm not sure it is. Because Japanese rugby, the club rugby, they've got international stars there, so you would really think that, you know, those players would feed off a Fuff and a Damon at the Islander and those guys, but they went backwards. I I don't know how, because we look at the Pacific Island beings bar Fiji. Mm. It's basically the first time that Tonga and Samoa has played with these guys together in a tournament. So Japan had opportunity to at least beat those two. So I think Japan are in fourth. I don't think they'll beat Samoa. Um, 
Argentina will win it. Um, I think Argentina has they play get away from home. We know it. Yeah. And a lot of the guys play in the north. Um, there's familiar conditions for them, so they will win it. Then Samoa, England. Guys, I can go two ways for England. England can end second, like for your said, which I think they will. But the problem is maybe England, the players just decide to throw Borswick under the bus, you know, and just put on a horror show. That could be, we've seen sport teams do it. We, you know, they have uh, unrest in the dressing room and it affects them. So I hope not. Um, I would like to see England get into the quarterfinals. Um, for me, Samoa, I felt that the eligibility rules came a year too late for them, too soon for the yeah. World Cup. I think they needed another year with Sapawanga and, you know, Luatua and Jordan Tufaya and all of those guys in the team. Yeah. Although they kind of stood up yesterday. Um, I was impressed with Seal. Um, we know Mariko Failagi has been brilliant in Super Rugby. Um, Luatua has been he's, he's a classman, his journeyman, and Fritz Lee as well. So, but they don't have depth. They don't have depth to go into that last game where they will get, you know, maybe three or four injuries and their squad will be stretched because they're going to have to play their full-strength team against Japan and Argentina and then going into the England game as well. So I think depth is going to catch up, catch up to them. That's why I think England will end second. All right. England second. Wow. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your input this Sunday. Thank you to all the listeners, and thank you for the guys that uh, decided to write some questions um, down uh, below the timeline as well. Uh, we've, uh, yeah, we've covered pretty much everything for today, and uh, we're looking forward to next week where we start making proper predictions because the week after that is the kickoff. It's France versus New Zealand. Uh, they kick off the World Cup first in two weeks' time. And, yeah, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. We'll still be continuing with this uh, with this uh, space as well in in the World Cup. So looking forward to that, looking forward to the new views. Uh, Jade, you wanted to say something? One request for everybody on the pod and on the, on, on the, on the space. Guys, next week there's no rugby. Use your time wisely. Make your wife and your girlfriend your profile picture. Make a, take the book emblem off. Make your profile picture. Spend time with your family. You know, use your visa time well. Because after that, guys, it's chaos. So use your time wisely next weekend. The best thing is to send it to the lollies. She stays there with the mom. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jane. Thank you very much, guys, for listening in. And uh, have a wonderful Sunday and a beautiful week ahead. Let's continue the banter, obviously, on the timeline and share some uh, stats there, Hugh. Uh, and obviously, Enda, share those TV rights and uh, and uh, and uh, links. And, uh, yeah, I will continue doing some of the threads as well. I need to watch the All Blacks and Springboks and uh, see what transpired on Friday. Have a great day, guys. Have a good week. See you guys next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us as well, guys. Cheers. Thank you.